here to speak about joy. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> um, it is the, the second in the series that we're looking at the fruits of the Spirit. Or I should say fruit of the Spirit. I understand that it's a singular, all the fruits, love, joy, peace, patience. It's actually one fruit. One fruit, singular. Um, Pat just said to me, you know, um, we could interchange some of the things we've been hearing today of peace, joy, love. They all could almost be interchangeable in how we ascribe um, our gratitude to God for them. And, and, but today's subject is joy anyway. And the general understanding of joy, if you look up the dictionary, you'll find words like happiness and pleasure and delight and thrill and yippee, you know, all, all, good, all good words that are associated with joy. But with joy, as with the fruits of the Spirit, of course there is another added dimension a spiritual understanding of the word joy. These fruits are of the Holy Spirit, aren't they? They come from the Spirit. They are of, from the Holy Spirit. They are spiritual in origin, in nature. They come from God himself. So they have a, a spiritual quality about them that is worth understanding and grasping. They are different to perhaps general usage of the word joy and peace and love. They are special. They are different. Um, I don't want to steal any of Tim's thunder for Sunday week, is it? When Tim will be speaking about peace. But Jesus spoke about peace that highlighted the difference. He said, peace I live with, leave with you. My peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give. So he was giving them peace that was different to the world's peace. And I think that principle applies to all the things that God gives us. They are different because they are godly, spiritual, in origin. They come from God, not from the world. We can get a lot of joy from things in the world, a lot of joy. But the joy we get from God, that is something else. That is different. And that's what we'll be looking at. Our joy that comes from God is different. Our joy in Jesus. And it can only be realized and discerned, understood by the person, the man, the woman, the person who is spiritual, i.e. born again, spirit-filled believers like us. And what a privilege that is, to have this depth of relationship in God where we can appreciate the godly character that he wants to put and does put in us. Now, joy is mentioned hundreds of times in the scriptures. And if you want to sit down and do a study of joy, it would take a long time if you looked up every single reference that, that, that joy is. Oh, I haven't done that. <laughs> I don't have time. Well, I've looked at quite a few. Joy comes in a number of ways. It comes as, as a noun, um, the feeling, the attitude uh, of joy that is 
within us, inside our being. If we have joy, the noun, it's in us, it's inside us, a sense of joy that we have within our beings. It comes often as an adjective, joyful, make a joyful noise to the Lord, joyful, that's full of joy. And it comes as a verb, the doing joy, it's called rejoice. When we do joy, we are rejoicing, that's another great biblical word, isn't it? Rejoicing is when we do the outward expression of the joy that's in us. So it doesn't matter whether it's joy, joyful, rejoicing, it's the same word. It's all about having joy and expressing joy. And the Holy Spirit gives us joy. Okay, it's one of the fruits of the Spirit. The Holy Spirit gives us joy. He gives us the sense and feeling of joy inside us and the desire to express it. We've been doing it today. Haven't we had a lot of joy today? Praising God for his faithfulness to us and all his goodness that never ends. Wow, that's a delight, isn't it? And this is a Holy Spirit-inspired activity that we do and that we have. We have this joy on a personal, singular, me, I have it, you have it level. We have it communally, don't we? Joy is communicable and shareable. Okay? We can communicate joy and we can share joy. Lovely, lovely aspects of joy. Jesus said to the disciples, I will see you again. He was going to, telling them he was going to the Father. He was going to ascend into heaven. But he said, I will see you again and your hearts will rejoice and no one will take your joy from you. Sorry, I think he was talking about his death and resurrection. That I will see you again and your hearts will rejoice and no one will take your joy from you. He's talking to them as a group of people. You will have joy. Plural. And that joy is a great, gives us a great sense of unity. Do you feel it when we're praising God together, when we're expressing joy? It's something that unites us. There's a harmony together in it. Do you feel that? I do. Unity is good. And rejoice with those who rejoice, Paul says. Weep with those who weep. There's an identity and a sharing in joy as there is in suffering. We're talking about joy for the minute, but rejoice with those who rejoice. We can share each other's rejoicing and the cause that we have for having joy. In the Psalms, aren't we, we're frequently encouraged to express joy, to be glad in the Lord, to make a joyful noise to the Lord, to do it together. And joy is attributed not only to people, but also to God's whole creation as a response to his greatness. Let the hills sing for joy. Now it's poetic language, but let the hills sing for joy. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, or the earth, or the land. Let the heavens rejoice. Let the trees of the wood rejoice. Even Isaiah says, even the desert shall rejoice. So rejoicing and having joy is attributed to the things that reflect the nature 
and purpose, the plan, the beauty of God, isn't it? It's big. Joy and rejoicing is a big activity which we can experience personally, as a group, as communally, as globally, as cosmic, as universal. Joy in the Lord, the whole heavenly host. I don't know if, if you get joy when you look out on a, on a sunset or, or a night sky when it's bright and the moon's up there and the stars and the planets are twinkling away. Does that raise your spirits? It does for me. Look at the bulbs, all the daffodils and things coming out now. What do they reflect to you? You know? <laughs> do you find the joy that's in you in these things that God has created? The very nature and presence of God including in ourselves, is the source and reason for rejoicing. I believe God wants to be delighted and thrilled with him and in all he does, and he puts that joy in us so that we can express this delight. He takes delight in our delight in him, doesn't he? Just as we take delight when people delight in us. And we, we enjoy it when, when people bless us and say nice things about us don't we? We can enjoy that. We can, yeah, so does God. And I want to just share a few aspects of joy that I've just picked up looking through some of the well-known scriptures about joy and just thinking over, about it over the last few weeks. First of all, joy cannot be removed from you. Jesus said that. That's not my idea. Jesus said, your hearts will rejoice and no one will take your joy, your joy from you. When you see me, when you know me, and we know God, we know Jesus, your hearts will rejoice and no one will take your joy from you. It cannot be taken away from you. It's permanent. But can you lose it? I have seen so many people in years of pastoral care and counselling who have said, I have lost my joy. I have no desire to praise God or anything. In the Psalms we read, Why are you so heavy, O my soul? Why, am I, why do you go around mourning? Why are you so cast down? The psalmist experienced sadness, misery. That isn't joy speaking, but he does say, restore to me, Lord, the joy of my salvation. And in the people I've talked to so often about this, their loss of joy is their response to circumstances. They've lost their joy. It hasn't been taken away. Nobody's taken it away from them and said, you can't have that joy, you mustn't have that, I want to remove that from you. But they've lost it. They've been perhaps overwhelmed by sadness. They lose touch with joy. They cannot find it within them. And we have an enemy, don't we, who is a robber and a thief. And one of his tactics is to try and rob us of our joy in the Lord. He does not have the power to do that, in my opinion, because of what Jesus said. He, although he may try, only you 
can give away your joy. Only I can give it away as I choose my response to circumstances. You see, the opposite of joy is sadness and grief. And we so often think in either or situations, of course we can be sad. Jesus was sad. He wept. You know, when Jesus was weeping over Jerusalem, he wasn't exactly expressing a lot of joy, was he? He was expressing the sorrow that was in him, as we can. But you see, we can be both. It doesn't have to be an either or. We can rejoice with those who rejoice. We can weep with those who weep. When we're weeping, we are not expressing joy. We express sadness. But does that mean we've lost our joy in the Lord? No. No, it doesn't. It doesn't mean that at all. Of course we still have it. We're just not expressing it or feeling. It's not the dominant feeling that we're in touch with at the time. Because sadness might be the dominant feeling at the time. And maybe rightly so. Maybe right that we are sad. Sadness and grief is right. Weep with those who weep. And vice versa. We can express joy and enter into rejoicing in spite of sad circumstances in our lives. We've been doing it today. We've been rejoicing very heartily. And some of us may have some tough and difficult, even sad circumstances that we're also grappling with. So joy, in my opinion, is permanent, cannot be taken away, but we can lose it when life overwhelms us or we can choose to identify with sadness for a time. We can choose to identify with joy. Joy is permanent, cannot be taken away, but may be lost in the sense that it may be masked or disguised by other things going on in us. Joy, that is the sort of joy I'm talking about, spiritual joy coming from God, coming from the Holy Spirit, is released in and at our salvation. It comes with our being born again when we're delivered from the punishment of our sin, when we're set free, when we're given eternal life in God, that releases joy in us. Have you ever seen someone who's come to the Lord, been born again, who's miserable about it? No. They're overwhelmed, aren't they? They, they cry with, with joy. Oh, it's such a thrill, isn't it? And we're hoping to see more and more that going on. And this aspect of joy being released at salvation is emphasized in the scriptures. Um, I like the way Isaiah writes when he talks about the deliverance of people from God's people from captivity and the restoration and God renewing his covenant love with them. It's like being born again. It's like being delivered and set free from captivity into the glorious relationship with, with God. And there are some amazing statements as people return to Zion to once again be the covenant blessed people of God. He says, everlasting joy shall be upon their heads. They shall obtain joy and gladness, sorrow and sighing, sighing shall flee away. What joy shall be upon their heads? Everlasting joy. 
everlasting, permanent. It lasts forever. It's eternal joy. No one shall take it away. Everlasting joy shall be upon their heads. Why not hearts? Why do you say heads? Interesting statement. I think it's like an anointing. It's like an anointing. We pray for people, don't we, that the Holy Spirit will come and anoint them with all sorts of things. We pray. And I believe we can pray for an anointing of joy. I pray for people to receive the joy of the Lord many times, to receive joy in their life because they are so struggling without it, for that sense of God's joy to be renewed in them. On their heads, an anointing, everlasting joy. They shall obtain joy and gladness. They will get it. Okay, everlasting joy will be upon their heads. It's anointing. They will get joy and gladness in them. They will be given it. It follows. It happens. It's like a, a process. When God sets free and delivers, joy comes. <clears throat> I'm old enough to remember the um, celebrations after the end of the Second World War and the street parties and things. Anybody else? I'm sure there are others. Um, it was an amazing time. I was only a small boy. No, all right. <laughs> I can tell you, it, it was absolutely amazing after all the trauma of the blackout and the shelters and the fears and all this. Suddenly, all that was lifted, lifted. And the, the whole life seemed so different. I, I was only seven when the war ended, but the and this street party, everybody put their flags out and we had jelly and, and suddenly chairs and tables arrived from all over the place and we lived in a little cul-de-sac so it's possible to do this and right down the road we all sat there in our families and there was such a rejoicing, what a feast there was. Uh, it was just incredible and uh, the relief and the excitement, the thrill, the delight. Well I tell you, we are heading for the greatest victory celebration there'll ever be. The marriage supper with the Lamb. Can you imagine that? What is it going to be like when all the sighing and sorrow and everything is gone and we're all just in absolute perfection with God forever? Will that be joy? <laughs> so we have joy now. We can be preparing for that. We can be having it now so that we, when we go there in eternity, we're just continuing that joy. Isaiah says, those who trust in God, who wait on him, will find joy. It's a promise, it's a guarantee. Again, you shall, go, you shall go out in joy, and it shall be to the Lord a memorial, an everlasting sign, which no one will cut off. This is an interesting aspect of, of joy. Let me just find my place here. You should go out in joy. This again is the redeemed of the Lord coming back into relationship with him, getting the land God's promised them. You should go out in joy and be led forth in peace. The mountains and the hills before you shall break forth into singing. There it is again. And all the trees of the field shall clap their hands. We sing that chorus a lot, don't we? Love it. Instead of the thorn shall come up the cypress. Instead of the briar shall come up the myrtle. 
and it shall be to the Lord for a memorial, for an everlasting sign which shall not be cut off. What is? What is the everlasting sign? What's the memorial? The joy they have in God, in him living with his people, will be a memorial. There's an aspect of having joy that is a memorial, a remembrance, a testimony before God, a sign, a witness. In a minute, Pat's going to come. She's been asked to do a testimony of joy. So I'm talking about theory. In a minute, Pat's going to come and give personal testimony of what she understands of having joy in the Lord. And this joy was declared to the shepherds, do you remember, by the angel announcing the birth of Jesus. There were these guys, middle of the night, looking after sheep, sitting around in a group. They were probably all um, in the sheep pens anyway, fairly safe, just making sure nobody came in to steal them and rob them or wild animals sitting there. Suddenly an angel comes. I bring you good news which shall come to all the people. I bring you good news of great joy that shall come to all the people. Joy is emphasized. The Savior is born. Christ is here. Hallelujah. Salvation is with you. The light of the world has come. It's good news of great joy. He could have said, I bring you good news. Good news of great joy. And immediately, the angel had said that when there were a multitude of angels, thousands of them, praising God and saying, hallelujah, peace, whatever it was, you know. <laughs> glory to God on high, and on peace, earth to men, glory. They were singing glory. Joy is released in salvation and accompanies praise. Accompanies praise. Praise without joy is a sad thing, isn't it? And the Psalms encourages these beautiful songs and poems. I don't know how often you read the Psalms, but they're so great because they so embrace and encourage joy in God and encourages that joy to be liber liberally and vibrantly expressed with our voices, with our instruments, with absolutely everything we've got because God is good and because we have salvation in him. For the believer, joy and rejoicing is part of what we do, what we become, what we are. It's a way of life. Paul says in, in, in Philippians chapter 4, doesn't he? Rejoice in the Lord always, always. And to emphasize, he says, and again, I say it, rejoice always. Always be rejoicing in every situation. We are to rejoice not because of every situation. There are things we can, cannot rejoice in. There is bad news. We've been praying about this little girl. There are some things we don't rejoice that she's gone missing, but we rejoice because whatever, God is good. We've had that emphasized to us today, the goodness of God and his faithfulness. So in spite of this little girl missing, and we identify with the sorrow and sadness of that, we still have the joy of the Lord because he is good. Another biblical principle 
and one you will know well is the joy of the Lord is your strength. Where does that come from? Who said it? I heard it. Nehemiah. Nehemiah said that. Another absolutely fantastic occasion in the history of God's people when Nehemiah and the remnant, just these motley few, come back to rebuild Jerusalem, which is smashed to pieces. What an insult to God that his holy place has been overrun by these heathens because of the sinfulness of his people. He had to let that happen. But God is a saviour. He saves, delivers, and he is saving them in Nehemiah's day. He is bringing them back and saving them, keeping them for himself. And so Nehemiah, as you know, sets to work, inspired by God, to rebuild the walls, to rebuild Jerusalem. This is a people who have not practiced any spirituality for years. God's a million miles away. God hasn't moved, they have. Okay, And then Nehemiah, in the middle of all this rebuilding, gets all the people together one day and says, we are going to read from the, <coughs> from the word of God to you. And they all come one day, they all stand there and hear the word of God. This is, would be the first five books of the Old Testament. That's, that was their Bible, that were the scriptures. To hear God's word and God's way, to hear about his love, to hear his advice. This is how you live. If you want to be blessed, this is how to live. If you live another way, uh-oh, trouble. And these people were so touched by hearing it. Some of them might have been the first time, I don't know. But the for hearing this, they were really, really devastated. They broke down. There were tears, there was weeping. They were so sad at the state they were in. But Nehemiah says to them, hey, 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 stop all this crying and all this mourning. Listen, this is a happy day. We refound God's word and God's way. This we shall celebrate. The joy of the Lord is your strength. And on the basis of that, they went home and had a party. Another big celebration, like Christmas. They gave presents to each other. And if anybody was on their own, they gathered them in and shared and, and had a, a real yippy, wonderful time celebrating what they'd discovered. The joy of the Lord is your strength. This weak little rabble of people trying to rebuild Jerusalem with the enemy, trying to get at them all the time, watching them, opposing them, building with a trowel in one hand and their weapon in another. Oh, the joy of the Lord is your strength. Back into the covenant relationship. And that's still a principle for today. Their new joy in God was to be their strength and enable them to push on through all the barriers, through all the impossibilities to fulfill what God had for them rebuild Jerusalem, be again the covenant people of God. The joy of the Lord can see us through all sorts of barriers and difficulties and issues and opposition. We learn that joy is an antidote to suffering. 
Have you been watching Extreme Dreams at all with Ben Fogel? I like these expeditions. I like travel and all that sort of stuff. And um, he's been taking people who are really ill-equipped on, on expeditions up mountains and oh, through deserts and all sorts of things. It's, it's been an amazing thing. It's a little bit staged, but nevertheless, these people have been doing it. One young girl whose husband had just died. One another young lady who had lupus disease. People who are not fit and, and not mountaineering types taking on th this challenge. Anyway, at one point he was doing an expedition in, in the jungle of Papua New Guinea and he picked up a snake or a snake was picked up by someone and he said to this little party of about four or five people doing this expedition with him, look out for these. If you, if you get bitten by this, you're dead. There is no antidote for this snake. It's such a rarity in this part of the world only. There's no serum, no whatever. And of course, that, that didn't uh, cheer them up a lot. But listen, we have an antidote when we get bitten by the snake. And it is our joy in the Lord, who we are in God, in his love in his goodness, in his faithfulness. That thrill in him is an antidote to the times when life is tough and difficult and horrible and nasty and unfair and unkind. Who for the joy set before him endured the cross. Remember that? Was it last week? It was the week before, wasn't it? Okay, Jesus knew there was going to be joy at the end of his suffering. Rejoice. Count it all joy, James says, doesn't he? Oh, do you struggle with that sometimes? Count it all joy when you face various trials? It's because we are being tested. Do you watch two boxers when they are getting ready to spar? Have you watched them in their pre-fight interview, the way in when they stand nose to nose and glare at each other and they say things like, bring it on then, come on. <coughs> and the adrenaline flows. <coughs> Can we say, when we face trials that come at us, bring it on then, I'm ready, I can do it because I have the joy of the Lord in me. And that's what James is saying. Bring it on then. Face the trials. Let's see what they can do to you. Our brothers and sisters in some parts of the world are suffering terribly because of their faith in God. Pray for that you won't lose their joy in God. Pray they hold on to God. Pray it won't be taken because it can't be taken. Well, I'm going to stop because Pat's coming on. But just in summary... The Holy Spirit gives us joy when we are saved. Permanent, everlasting, cannot be taken away joy. In order to accompany our praise and worship of God because he needs praise and worship. Helps us to do that joyfully. To encourage harmony and unity in the body of Christ as a testimony, a witness to our faith. 
as a spiritual lifestyle to give us the strength to endure testing as an antidote to suffering. This joy is communicable and shareable. We need to encourage one another in it. Because sometimes, yeah, life is tough. Pat will share a bit about that. Thank you, Robin. Well, I got this rotor, this piece of green paper, and it said, uh, Pat Garrett, Testimony of Joy. And I thought, right, well, if it's on there, I've got to do it. Um, so I, I did uh, something similar to Peter. I often look at the dictionary when, when I'm speaking about something, and Peter's defined joy for you in the dictionary. So I looked up the word testimony, and I I thought, well, everybody knows what a testimony is. It's a bit about your life story. But it actually said a declaration or affirmation of fact or truth, and a demonstration of proof. Well, Peter has described joy to you. I want to give evidence to what you've heard from my own sort of life. When we give testimony, we do make ourselves a little bit vulnerable because um, you'll know a little bit more about me after today, and that could be good or bad. But hopefully, the main thing you'll know is a bit more about God and how he has influenced our lives. Um, it's a privilege, although it's always a bit scary, isn't it, to stand up and offer proof of what God's word says. But it is a privilege, and you know, just sitting down and preparing for something like this ministers to you. So even if you haven't got to stand up and do it, get yourself into something like this because it's amazing how it ministers into your own life before you share it with anybody else. So I want to affirm from my life experiences that joy really is a gift from God. It's not our human striving. We can't actually attain it on our own. I can only give a glimpse of my experiences because if I stood here and told you my life story, well, you might be here quite a long time and miss you dinner. Uh, so I thought just a few little cameos of particular things in my life where I've seen God's joy um, uphold me, really. One of my greatest joys, which you've already heard as a gift from God, is my marriage. And uh, they say marriages are made in heaven. I'm not sure that all marriages are made in heaven, but I know mine was, because if, if it wasn't, I wouldn't be married to Peter now. We had so much opposition from our families in all sorts of directions. We knew each other for nine years before we got married, so we knew each other reasonably well, and it was very on and off as well. Um, but it was God who kept us together and our wedding day was a triumph for him and a, a joy which has never faded in 43 and a bit years. Um, God gave me Peter to be a channel of his love to me and he expresses to me all, all that 
I know of God's love in the way of compassion and kindness and caring and provision and protection. So he's a real picture of the Lord to me. So it's an absolute joy to, be, to have a marriage like that. Our desire to have children suffered quite a lot of setbacks initially. And when we were expecting our first child, I was in hospital for 10 weeks. And I was told it was against all the odds for him to be born well and healthy. He'd be too small. The pregnancy was at risk. Matthew was born weighing 6 pounds 11 ounces, a very sort of normal um, birth uh, weight. And he was absolutely perfect in every way. And our joy, well, at holding him, I can, I can just feel it now, was absolutely fantastic. Our gratitude to the Lord was beyond words. Okay, so we had to go through the, the hard bit. But the joy that came out of that was, was wonderful. I can't say I maintained human joy throughout an anxious nine months. Um, but trust in God and belief in his ability maintained that joy in us, which was his. Three years later, we had another son, Philip, again, quite a story, but too long to tell now. And not being able to have more children, we fostered and adopted our daughter, Teresa, who, joy of joys, has recently got married, um, which is something I never thought would happen. So... Um, my third little cameo, I, I suffered quite a lot of back problems from the age of 14 and often had to spend uh, weeks on my back. Many of those times were very, very precious times with the Lord. And that's one of the things about joy and suffering, the way they go together. Uh, because I can honestly say that although those times were really quite frustrating, painful and uh, quite debilitating. On the on the other side of the coin was the the contact with God that you got in that place of suffering, and uh, those two things so often go together. Um, in the now of our lives, I expect uh, quite a lot of you know that we're caring for and living with my mum, and to a degree, this limits our freedom uh, regarding going out and how we live at home. Last Sunday, it's very interesting, my mum was uh, bleeding quite badly from her legs, so they're quite vulnerable um, to any sort of slightest knock. So I was all set to come to church and uh, really wanting to come and praise the Lord, really full of the joys of spring and uh, realised that I couldn't come because I had to wait in for the nurse. And so, yeah, I was disappointed we can be honest with God. We can be honest with ourselves. I, I, was, I was disappointed. And um, I said to the Lord, oh, I really, really wanted to go to church this morning. I, I really didn't want to stay at home. So I, I washed mum's night clothes and bedding and things, and I was hanging them on the line, even on a Sunday. Uh, and whilst doing this, I was chatting to the Lord, and I was, I was really honest, as I say, and I said, I so wanted to be there today so that I could worship you. And I'm so sorry I'm not there. And God, as clear as crystal, said to me, my dear child, you are worshipping me. 
because I was where he wanted me to be. He needed me to be there. And on, when I heard that from God, there was such a, a deep joy inside. Although there'd been the disappointment, at the same time, there was this deep joy of God telling me because I was submitted to his will, I was where he wanted me to be. And doing what God asks always, always results in joy. Always. So you might be asking after those four little bits about my life, is, is that really a testimony of joy? Because there are quite a lot of difficult things in there. Well, I, I think it is a testimony of joy because God's joy is not a lot of froth and bubble and jumping up and down, although it can be. It can make us jump up and down. Do you know, we went to a, some of us went to a barn dance last night and we did a lot of jumping up and down and there was a reverse reaction because um, instead of the joy, instead of the suffering coming first and the joy later, it was the other way around. <laughs> so, all like this this morning. And often that's the same with the world, isn't it? Because they, they do all these things that they think are going to bring them joy. And then the consequences of those things are so dreadful at times. So looking around the church today, I, I know people here who have been through really, really tough times. Some still going through tough times. There's been pain, there's been loss, there's been heartaches, either in their own life or about people that they know and love. They weren't shouting yippee at those times. They weren't jumping up and down and uh, making a big to-do. And yet I know the underlying gift of God's joy in them upheld them through those times. I know quite deeply some of the situations and others I don't know. We, we all have different experiences in life. So my declaration, as it said in the beginning, this is a declaration and an affirmation, a demonstration of proof my declaration and demonstration is that God shares all our experiences and he never leaves us day or night. Someone prayed that earlier. His love is unending. There's never an end to the love of God. He guides us and directs us. We can ask him for direction in our lives. He sustains us through troubles. He holds us up. He's underneath of the everlasting arms. He plans our destiny. He knows. He's got a plan for our future. He gives us victory. Not always immediate, but he gives us victory. He watches over us. He puts his spirit in us. He heals us physically and emotionally. I hope, I really hope there's going to be some of that next Saturday, that we see some of that. And we can really rejoice in that. He enables us and empowers us to do his will, even when that's difficult. Sometimes his will isn't easy to do. He doesn't always ask us to do the things we'd like to do. But he does enable us to do them. He strengthens our resolve to serve him. If, we, if we've decided to serve the Lord, he will help us with that. He's our saviour. He's our friend. He's our redeemer. He's, he's everything. <laughs> he's the rock on which we build our lives. He's gracious. He's kind. He's compassionate. And yet he disciplines us in love sometimes. He understands us and accepts us. Again, we had that this morning. How God 
understands us. No matter what we're like, God understands us and accepts us. He's the light in our darkness, isn't he? And he's the source of our being. This is my experience of the Lord that I know. I know him and he knows me. And we have a great relationship. That's why I have a deep and everlasting joy within. And no circumstance and no person and no enemy tactics can take that away, as Peter said. And with God's help, I'll always treasure and maintain this precious gift that he's given. Despite all I've tried to say, and there's quite a lot of words there, it truly is a joy without words, isn't it? To know and love God.